the way. That a mere human should hold so much power in her every move and sound is incomprehensible. So it's easy to simplify and objectify such a mystery. It's easy because we humans so fear the inability to grasp. But I apologize to tell you the truth. Your beauty is ungraspable. Your strength is beyond human. Your healing power is a mystery. So all you can do is observe your every move and get ready to be in awe with the power of your beauty. Thanks for listening to Book of Odes, where today my guest has been Cindy Sue. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Taiwan, as an island, has an awful lot of coastline, but each stretch of coast has its own character. The north coast, not far from Taipei, has a stark maritime beauty. Here, northern mountains meet the sea, and the wind and waves carve the coastal rock into bizarre shapes. Much of this windswept coast is part of the North Coast and Guanyinshan National Scenic Area, a part of Taiwan also full of culture, history, and good food. On the line today to introduce the scenic area is its deputy director, Ms. Jin. One big draw of this scenic area is its wildlife. And when it comes to wildlife, one of the North Coast's chief attractions are birds of prey, which pass through as they migrate. These are especially common in the scenic area's westernmost part, a mountain called Guanyinshan. There, 24 of Taiwan's 31 species can be found. The Chinese sparrowhawk, the gray-faced buzzard, the crested goshawk, and the crested serpent eagle are considered the area's four main birds. With luck, though, you'll be able to see more in the spring, as the birds move north from Taiwan out to sea. The scenic area is also known for its Taiwan lilies, which bring a pleasant fragrance to the coast when they bloom in April. If the northeast monsoon that affects this coast is late in leaving, its cold, damp winds may spoil the first round of flowers. But fortunately, visitors can often still enjoy a second round of blooming once more stable weather arrives in May. It's not all conventional stuff like flowers and birds, though. The most unusual and striking wild attraction here is the green algae that appears from February into the summer months. It clusters on the flat stone ledges that mark out much of the northern shoreline. In April and May, the algae gathers in thick mats at a spot called the Laomei Green Reef, a row of flat stone terraces just above the water that have been eroded into a pleasing geometric pattern. The channels and grooves the sea has carved into the stone over the years are pleasant enough to look at by themselves. But once the algae comes, all bets are off. It's time to take out a selfie stick. This may be one of the few examples of algae that can draw crowds of tourists. 
Years of erosion from wind and sea have also given the scenic area some of its other famous features. These are strange collections of rocks, arranged by nature at certain spots as though they were sculptures in a gallery. The most famous grouping of these rocks is undoubtedly at Yeliyo. Ms. Jin says the rocks there get 2 million visitors a year, of which 80% come from overseas. This is largely because the geological park at Yeliyo is home to a kind of tourism ambassador for Taiwan, a stone pillar that's been shaped into what looks like the bust of an Egyptian queen. Alongside this queen's head, you'll also find other fancifully named rocks. There are mushroom rocks, candle rocks, fairy's shoe rock, and so on. Each looks more or less like the things they're supposed to look like. Yelio may get most of the glory, but there are other strange stones here too. Not far from Taiwan's northern tip is a big stone arch. And on the eastern end of the scenic area, Heping Island, there's another geopark, home of attractions like the tofu rocks and the pig's leg rock. The North Coast has other geological wonders too, but not all of them can be seen. Taiwan's North Coast sits below the inactive Datuan Volcano Group, and this location gives the area North Taiwan's most varied collection of hot springs. This cluster of springs is called the Jinshan Wanli Springs. They include something for every kind of person and body type. There are sulfur springs, sodium bicarbonate springs, sulfur iron springs, and even a spring that emerges from beneath the sea. Each is said to have different health benefits. During the winter months, these springs are especially popular with couples. Ms. Jean recommends pairing a visit to the springs with a local gastronomic tour. The area near the springs has a market street famous for its duck. Other specialties include crabs, white asparagus, and sweets made with sweet potatoes. After a soak in the hot springs, she also recommends a nice walk around one of the scenic area's historic sites. Heping Island, home to some of the strange rocks we just met, has one of the area's longest recorded histories. The Spanish arrived in the 1620s, building a fort nearby that sadly no longer stands above ground. In the 1640s, they were replaced by the Dutch, who it said left carved graffiti in a cave among the strange rocks. Meanwhile, Cape Fugui, Taiwan's northernmost tip, is home to a historic lighthouse. It was originally built in 1897, two years after Japan took control of Taiwan. The purpose of the lighthouse was to oversee the laying of a submarine cable to Japan and to protect shipping. It was rebuilt after World War II as an octagonal structure with horizontal black and white stripes on the outside. This lighthouse is known for its foghorn, heard loudly over the mist that often rises here in the fall and winter. The scenic area is also where you can find the childhood home of former President Li Donghui a traditional brick home with slanted, tiled roofs that attracts many visitors today. The scenic area isn't just about the past. You'll find plenty of living culture here, too. 
直接这样跳到这个渔港。Each year since 1980, devotees of the coastal Bao'an Temple in the Wanli District go take a wintry plunge into the local harbor. It's not just worshippers either; the main god of the temple goes in with them, carried on a palanquin atop the jumpers' shoulders. This event takes place each year on the Lantern Festival, which falls this year on February 19th. The hope is that this will ensure that local fishermen come back to port safely and with full nets for the rest of the year. 那金山蹦火节也是跟渔业有关哦，因为我们整个北海岸哦，天明哦。In the warmer summer months, fishermen in nearby Jinshan Harbor recreate a different local tradition. After dark, they head out in boats with nets on the sides. With them, they carry torches tipped with a sulfurous substance that ignites with a loud bang. These torches serve not to light the way, but to attract fish. Once the torches are lit, the fish leap out of the water and right into the nets. This is the only place in Taiwan where you can see this kind of fishing technique. This technique is difficult to pull off. It requires a lot of coordination between a fairly large crew, and a combination of this challenge and declining fish stocks have pushed this way of fishing close to extinction. A few years back, though, the new Taipei city government declared this fishing method a piece of its cultural heritage, and now an annual summer festival keeps it alive for visitors. 我们在今年四月十九到四月二十八号，我们特别夜间开。One of the great things about the North Coast is how it changes through the year. Unlike more southerly tropical parts of Taiwan, the North Coast offers a range of different seasonal activities. We're now in winter, peak hot spring season, but once spring comes around, the scenic area will celebrate the blooming of flowering trees. There will also be a festival marking the migration of local birds of prey, complete with activities and nature guides. In late April, the strange rock pillars at Yelio are kept open to tourists after hours, illuminated after dark, with live performances in the background. Summer brings swimming, surfing, and rowing. The natural seawater pool at the Haoping Island Park is a special treat, where swimmers can encounter sea anemone and clownfish. The cool autumn weather, meanwhile, brings with it a cycling festival, a white asparagus festival, and an international kite festival, featuring demonstrations by international experts. It's all set against the perfect backdrop of mountains and ocean, right in Taipei's backyard. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at English.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Check it out. Lights, camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chan. This week we'll carry on with our discussion on our times. A teenage movie released in 2015, and it became the biggest box office hit of the year. We briefly went over the story last week, which is by all measures not too special. It is in fact the typical tale of a love story between a teenage boy and girl. 
And that begs the question, just what makes this movie stand out from the rest? There are many, many elements, but I think the quick one-word answer will be nostalgia. Set in the early 1990s, the movie doesn't just tell a love story. It in itself is a love letter to a time in the past. From the film's very beginning, we as viewers follow Truly Lin, the movie's protagonist, through her many challenges that she stumbled through. We then see her sitting down in her room and listening to a radio show in which the host says, Do you miss the old you back from the days, filled with dreams and belief? Well, the first song tonight will hopefully bring back old memories. It is at this point that a movie's timeline rewinds, quite literally, back to the early 1990s. By the time our focus shifts to teenage Chuli Lin, the radio broadcast tells the event that took place in 1994. Lin narrates about the many details of life that took place at that particular time, which include the kind of breakfast that she was buying as a student, the electric gadgets that she was using, and at one point, the film's two protagonists are seen roller skating at a disco with retro flashing lights and 80s pop music. It was, in fact, a very popular form of entertainment in early to mid-90s. I talked to many people in their early to mid-30s, and they said many of them had spent hours and hours in their youth roller skating in an environment just like that. And it was also here that a major side story of the film is revealed. Truly Lin, as a teenager, saw Andy Lau as her favorite singer growing up. And Lau, or Liu Dehua, is a singer and actor from Hong Kong who reached the peak of his fame in the early 90s. Till this very day, Lau is arguably the most famous entertainment figure in the greater China area, with dozens of dozens of platinum records and hit movies under his belt. Therefore, it's understandable that in his early 30s, Lao attracted the attention of many, many young girls like Lin. In one scene of the movie, Truly grabs a cardboard cutout of Andy Lao and jokingly calls him husband. And the movie's male protagonist, Tai Yu, makes her a promise. He tells her that one day he'll make Andy Lao sing for her. Towards the end of the movie, Truly Lin takes us out of her memory and back to real life. She finally plucks up the courage to break away from the things that are negative in her life, including a toxic work environment and a boyfriend who doesn't appreciate her enough. But when she's trying to book a ticket to an Andy Lau concert that was taking place in Taipei, she has to yell out in frustration since, like many, many previous concerts that she failed to book, it was sold out. The film eventually gives us, the audience, the best possible ending. Truly Lin accidentally runs into Andy Lau himself before his concert, and Lau helps connect her to one of his staff members. And the staff turns out to be Tai Yu, now a grown-up man. 
he has lost contact with Shuli for many, many years. At the movie's ending, we see Taiyu and Shuli Lin standing at the concert entrance, and Taiyu points at Andy Lau's poster, repeating the promise that he had made for Shuli many, many years ago. He said, I'll ask Andy Lau to sing for you. The promise is now delivered, and the two lovers reunited. It is a fairy tale ending almost too good to be true, but for a movie that is all about wishful thinking and nostalgia and the great time of the past, it couldn't have ended better. Thank you for listening to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week. yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan, and with us in the studio, we have Kirti Sridharan. Hello, hello, hello. Who is also known as our winter intern, mm-hmm. also known as our... VPA. What is that again? Very professional. <laughs> <laughs> Very professional. Very popular associate. Oh, right. <laughs> Slash volunteer production yes. assistant. Right. You pick. Okay. You decide. Right. It's a democracy. All of, all of the above. The most fancy <laughs> title that we can give like a winter. Yes. So to begin today's program, I have a very important question for both of you. Okay. What do you have in your pockets My right pockets? now? Oh, God. Car key. And what uh, else? wallet. And nothing else. I have 100 NT. A depressingly empty wallet. I have okay. two receipts. Oh, let me check. Uh, wow, you have a deep pocket. <laughs> I usually have more than this. Sometimes I like, oh, I had this too. I, had I have a one. euro coin in the pocket of my leather jacket. <laughs> you, you know why we don't have that much stuff in our pocket? Why is that? Because we have a big pocket. Oh, she's got a pocket book. Oh. No, it's like a pocket, like a purse. A purse. A tote. Yeah. That's Which our is, huge I haven't pocket. heard anyone say pocketbook out loud. Like Never. I think, <laughs> I think it's a dated term, Andrew. Right. Oh, it's I was very... like, I don't have a pocketbook. It's very yeah, pocketbook means purse, and mm. in the in the weirdest most right. <laughs> it's very 1970s it middle is, America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still pulling stuff out of my pockets, by the way. There's you got so like much huge and deep pockets. One of the many times I've wished that this show right. featured video because oh my god, there's just there's a full A4 piece of paper <laughs> that he's folded up and pulled out of his pocket. And what does it say? It has all the notes. It has all, a list of all the things I need to bring for today's program. Mm-hmm. Very important. If the I don't have the shopping grocery list, I have a full pen in my pocket. Oh my god! <laughs> Does that stab you? Like stick into your leg bone? Got to be careful with okay. the pens in the pocket. <laughs> and you got like a whole like chain. You're you're kind of like the janitor. Right I know. There. Yeah, like a little keys. bit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Janitor. Wait, so Andrew, how many... Okay, if you can fit that much stuff in your pocket, like yes. how many pockets do you have? Well, it's interesting that you asked this. I have today, I have four... Five pockets, usually. Oh, then I have my coat. I have five, 
six. If this goes into the double digits, I'm going to be so angry. Eight. I have eight pockets. (laughs) All right. I have. How many do you have? He's going to open a zipper. (laughs) I've got, I've got. (laughs) Put my hand in my pants. Like overalls. (laughs) I've got six, but I'm not wearing my jacket. So right now I've only got four and they are four abysmally small pockets. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if you can sympathize with Uh this on. I like, I hate the pocket size disparity between women's clothing and men's clothing. Yeah. I hate it so much. When when I was in um when I was in high school in DC, I showed up to a chem exam when I was in like uh in my sophomore year. So I was a young naive 15-year-old who was still like kind of on the fence about whether feminism was good Mm because you know we're all stupid sometimes Um, (laughs) and the one incident that cemented it for me was um my friend showed up to the chem final without a backpack Mm -hmm. and i was like did you forget your backpack and then he looked at me and went what would i need a backpack for Mm -hmm. then i'm like where's your calculator like you need it's a chemistry (laughs) exam you need a calculator Mm -hmm. and he pulls a full-on ti-84 graphing calculator out of the pocket of his cargo shorts and then a number two pencil freshly sharpened out of the other and he's like i'm all set yeah and so i was like this is you biked here how did you (laughs) and he was just like why would it fall out my pockets are big enough and then i i like made him demonstrate to me that he could fit the whole calculator (laughs) you and the thing is i couldn't even tell that there was a calculator in his pocket that's how big it was and in that moment i was like wow we need to kill men (laughs) (laughs) i mean so we're all wearing jeans today yes Mm -hmm. but do you ever show up in an outfit and have no pockets at all because it's a female outfit well many times like like especially for formal events right mm-hmm. for, oh, for yeah, like all the gowns time. or mm-hmm. yeah and i hate carrying handbags around mm. so much so that i would much rather walk around with my wallet in one hand and my phone in the other or just mm-hmm. balanced on your head right naturally I mean. <laughs> like a normal person <laughs> or you know if you can't make pockets in your bra yeah, yeah. I d- i've done the bra trick before right. really yeah mm-hmm. wow have you done that ellen you i've done it Really, that's for times. Huge room to put in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you when you're Go not impeded size, yeah. by by chest obstructions, you right? Can, <laughs> you can shove a lot Money. of things in yeah. there, you know. So if you're interested at all in this topic, uh, pockets, you might want to have a listen to a podcast called Articles of Interest. They have a great episode on pockets. One little fun fact, total that I want to leave you with before we move on to hot pockets Mm -hmm. the topic of our today's show Mm. uh the average man of 1944 had 24 pockets on his person overall right it's kind of like a work jumpsuit i'm thinking vest like oh like a full suit right Right. you'd have to have like like double pockets right two suit jackets on top he probably has like you know cargo pants (laughs) (laughs) so if you haven't guessed yet we are talking about pockets in today's program of course pockets are good for storing things they're also a great way to keep your hands warm in the winter oh i love that and today the topic of our show is hot pockets and we're going to be telling you all about them that is a food of course if you haven't figured that out (laughs) let's check out our menu okay on our first course, Kirithi is going to explain what a hot pocket is and quiz us on our knowledge of global variations. That's right. In our second course, I'm going to head into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen to whip up a batch of fusion turnovers. In our third and final course, we'll be sampling them right here in our studio. 
But first, a topical song. And this is called Hand in My Pocket. Yes. Morissette. It, this was a song that came out four years before I was born, but I still feel like it was written Oof. for me. <laughs> is it just one hand or is it plural? It's it's one hand in my pocket. Okay, and she hand. does various other things with the other hand, including, I think, putting up a peace sign, uh, smoking a cigarette, playing a piano, hailing wow. a taxi cab. Wow. Yeah. Multitasking. She's very, she's a, yeah. She's a, she's a working woman. Right. <laughs> so get your pens and pencils out, a piece of paper. We're going to have a quiz when the feast continues. I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm healthy. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost, but I'm hopeful, baby. And what it all comes down to is it everything? Pop quiz time! Ooh. Well, actually, before we go into the quiz, Mm -hmm. um, there might be some speculation. What is a Hot Pocket? I think it's a brand name, isn't it? Yes. And as a college student, it is a brand name with which I am far too familiar. (laughs) (laughs) A Hot Pocket is... Well, okay. um, We're calling them Hot Pockets. Another word for it is also a turnover. Um, Basically, two layers of pastry, generally, and in between the two layers of pastry, enclosed together, um, is a filling. And that can be savory or sweet or anything. Um, The Hot Pockets slash turnovers that we're going to be talking about today are um, all savory ones and all um warm (laughs) yes and hopefully we'll be serving some warm ones later in the show if they're so warm (laughs) Uh, also fingers crossed countries all around the world have their own version of a hot pocket Mm -hmm. yes they do um which is kind of incredible it's one of those few things that kind of it seems like all cultures have done it's almost like pastry is good and meat is good (laughs) and putting them together well, is good. <laughs> mm. You know, it's just kind of like waffle, you know, sandwich right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, I think the the wrap or the pocket or the like the little packages mm-hmm. is uh, a logical food because it's kind of one of those foods you can take to go. Yes. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You can't bring like a plate or a bowl of rice <laughs> with, you know, some kind of side dish, like while right. you're on a scooter. Right. However, if you're on a scooter, you could hold a Hot Pocket for sure. You absolutely can. I mean, obviously, ideally, you'd have both hands on the handlebars. But, <laughs> can but you it, show us now? No, no. <laughs> and can we go outside and do a recording and show us? <laughs> Sounds very dangerous. And, you know, just from my perspective, if it's finals and you're dying and you need food, you can definitely hold a Hot Pocket with one hand and wipe your tears with another. Oh, <laughs> 
Aww. you're capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. It's versatile, Aww. is all I'm saying. It's like you know, mom <laughs> taking care of like little babies. You know, this is something that they can hold a baby and eat. That's true. We've actually talked about this um, mm-hmm. after you gave birth. We were talking about which kinds of foods can moms. You, uh, eat while they are multitasking with the other hand. We talked about that? Yeah. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. Very important. That yeah. was a long time ago, though. Right. How old are your kids again? <laughs> Seven and eight. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> That's a throwback. Hmm. So, you're going to give us a quiz. I um, am. If you're listening from home, get out a piece of paper and a pen and keep track of your scores. This is not a competition, but I feel like it might be. Okay. It's always a competition. It's only not a competition if you're a coward. <laughs> oh, so, wow. So, oh. Andrew's made his allegiance is clear <laughs> right <laughs> it's a short one um and hopefully it's not too complicated okay um it's just about global variants on hot pockets and turnovers okay okay which of these international foods isn't a hot pocket is right? not it's okay. not right, right. a pasteis b panzerotti c piroshki and d paratas <laughs> Can you now, like, just before you answer, do you know what any of these are? I think Pirowski. I know what C is. Yeah, Pirowski. Yeah, yeah. Pirowski. I think it's like rolled up, kind of like a hot dog thing. It's like a, it's like a friend of the pierogi, right? I, you can't, you can't see this, but my poker face is so good right now. <laughs> All right, on the count of three, shall we shout out our answers? Okay. All right, one, two, three. A. B. Okay. <laughs> Um, in a wonderful turn of events, you're both wrong. Oh, is it C? <laughs> it it's is C? D, actually. Oh. So um, A, pastéis, is a uh, Brazilian turnover, actually. And uh, the singular is pastel. It's a street food. It's deep fried. It's mm-hmm. delicious from mm-hmm. the photos I was looking at. All keywords. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a turnover. Number two, panzerotti is a deep fried version of a calzone, which oh. we'll be um, discussing later. So it's Italian. That sounded mm-hmm. fake. <laughs> <laughs> panzerotti. <laughs> okay. Uh, the singular for that is panzerotto, no. actually. Yeah. See, piroshki, um, they are Russian or Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Um, it is actually a hot pocket. Um, so it's uh, similar to a pierogi. Okay. Um, oh, so I was So right. like a Polish pierogi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But it's right. um, it's like got like a meat filling and it's um, either baked or fried. Mm-hmm. D, paratas are actually Indian um, in origin. They are a kind of Indian flatbread. So not a hot pocket. Wow. Paratas, yes. Yeah. So they're all real things. They are all real things. I wouldn't make something up for you. Oh, and just one little tip. We don't need the singular for any of these because we're we're ordering multiple. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Don't they all sound delicious? I was salivating making this quiz. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Torture. All right. Number two. All right. Another hot pocket with an unusual name is the Borek. Um, The Borek is a phyllo-based filled pastry. So where does it originate from? I have three options for you guys. I am a Borak. <laughs> it's clearly My wife. Kazakhstan. <laughs> right. Um, first is Lithuania. B is Turkey. And C is Pakistan. Okay. One, two, three. B. B. Yeah. Turkey. You're both Yay! right. Yay! Turkey. Uh, yeah, so the Borek uh, is a hot pocket with Anatolian origins. So Anatolia is what makes up of uh, like a lot of modern day Turkey. Um, Alrighty. Yeah, and it is. It looks so delicious. So phyllo, <laughs> uh, as you guys know, is like the same uh, pastry that is used in like baklava and a lot of uh, Middle mm. Eastern desserts and that sort of thing. So. So many layers, very flaky, and um, one of the hot pockets <laughs> that you've heard of um, probably is the samosa. Yes, That's familiar, right? Indian. Yes. yes, we've had them in our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you told us to eat right. them. Yes, yeah, no. she made it. <laughs> I remember that. 
Um, the most popular filling for a samosa, and I'm pretty sure the, the filling that you guys had, um, is a filling of spiced potatoes. Mm -hmm. So what is the second most popular samosa filling? Can we have a hint? Is it meat or vegetarian? It could be both. It is meat. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. Then I know. One, two, three. Lamb. lamb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Lamb samosas are uh, objectively amazing and right. subjectively so amazing. They sound delicious. <laughs> They're wonderful. Oh yeah. I was firmly on the potato side of samosas, but I had a lamb samosa and okay. it's mind blowing. Never looked back. <laughs> All right. Number four. Mm -hmm. So a uh, common Southeast Asian street food um, is a hot pocket as well. Uh, curry puffs, mm -hmm. which I think you guys are also familiar mm -hmm. with. Um, They're an empanada like pastry and they're filled with chicken and vegetable curry. Okay. What is the Malay word for a curry puff? We're, we're supposed to say it out? Mm-hmm. Malay word? For curry puff. What letter does it begin with? Okay. Kalekau. Kalekau. Ketchup. Which is a Malay word. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you the count of three. K-A- Two, three. Ka so caravan <laughs> is surprisingly not the answer. Um, the answer is uh, actually, and this is going to be hilarious. It's curry pop. Oh. So it's very phonetically I'm, similar. I'm like very close. Okay, I, <laughs> think, I think somebody is cheating, but I'm not sure who and where. Okay, curry <laughs> pop. See, all right, because right. it so, does have the you know Mandarin Cantonese tone, right? Yeah, but curry what? Curry pop. Where did a pop come? Curry puff. A pop. Curry puff. Oh, English. Puff. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. All right. So next question. All right. Number five. So from Southeast Asia, we move to Europe, specifically Italy. Okay. Um, so back into unfamiliarity. Um, the most well-known Italian hot pocket is a calzone. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when was the calzone first invented? Um, oh my god. A, this is multiple choice. You got okay, this. You okay, got this. Okay, okay. One third of a chance of getting it right. Okay. A, 18th century. B, 8th century. And C, 500 BC. Oh my goodness. Um, it must be from China. <laughs> so. <laughs> Spoken by somebody who is ethnic Chinese. Yeah. Um, it's from China when, you what? know. All right. You guys, you guys don't have time to second guess. Let's do count of three again. Okay. All right. One, two, three. 500 B. BC. Both of you are wrong. It's 18th it's century. It's 18th century. Oh my it goodness. is a very, very like recent development. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> so Ellen Chu and I are tied with yes. two points correct yes. out of right. five so far. We have final question. Yes, this is the tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. You guys ready? Yes. Yeah. Um, this is something that I am intimately familiar with. Hot Pockets are an actual manufactured snack produced in the United States and in Canada. How many calories is one hot pocket? Uh. <laughs> so just give me a number, and whoever gets closest gets the point. A hot and pocket. Gets to win absolutely nothing. But what's the filling? <laughs> oh, just a general. General. They they the all yeah. They all have uh, the same, roughly the same number of calories. It varies from filling to filling, but roughly. Okay, are we going to shout it out of the count of three? Do you okay. have an idea? I'm guessing. All right. All right. One, two. Three. 475. 475. Ellen is closer. 475. <laughs> well, how like many is it? It's 350 calories. Oh, I don't believe that. Yay, that is yay, a lie. yay, 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 yay. It's a total lie. And Ellen gets to win. I think it's cheating. Woo, woo. I'm not sure how. Woo, woo. 
So another thing is like there's a lot of debate um, about. I mean, the general definition of a turnover is that it's dough and it's filling and it's either baked or fried. Mm-hmm. So where does a dumpling fall on that scale? This is really interesting, right? Because dumplings are more often than not steamed, right? So right. that doesn't count as a hot pocket. Wow. But if you think of like, I don't know, just regular steamed buns with meat fillings, like that's. That's hot. That's <laughs> hot. <laughs> it's hot. That's hot. It, would that be a hot pocket? No. <laughs> Not right? really. Mm. Are there um, are there baked Chinese version of it? I would say like maybe a, like a, a hot pepper cake. Yes. Like a... Hujiao bing. Yeah. yeah. Black yeah. pepper cake mm-hmm. with pork in a mm. pastry. All right. This song is called what? This song is actually called... Okay, so we have the hand in the pocket, and this is the temperature in the pocket, okay? Mm. And this is by Tian Fu Zhen Hebe. Warmth's in the pocket, yeah? Mm. But we're going to give you a hot pocket. Okay. <laughs> I promise. It'll be hot-ish. Just not hot potato, okay? <laughs> okay. Hot pocket is okay. All right, much more to come when the feast continues. Okay. <laughs> You guys, you guys, you guys, are you ready? We are now back in the second course in today's Feast Meets West. I'm Andrew Ryan. Instead of bringing you into the Feast Meets West test kitchen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to speed things up a little bit because we're almost ready to go back into the studio and let Kirthi and Ellen sample my empanadas. So I'm going to give you the quick recipe. Are you ready? 
basically what we're going to do is we're going to throw together an empanada dough. And what you need is two and a quarter cups of unbleached all-purpose flour, one and a half teaspoons of salt, a stick of unsalted butter cut up into cubes, a large egg, a third a cup of ice water, and a tablespoon of distilled white vinegar. I just used rice wine vinegar, which is what we use here in Taiwan. Oh, and I should mention also, this comes from Epicurious. So you can definitely find that by doing a little search for that on their website for empanada dough. Now, you basically sift your flour and salt into a large bowl, and you blend it with the butter. You just squeeze it with your fingertips until you get little uh, pea-sized butter lumps. Then in another bowl, beat together your egg, water, and vinegar with a fork, and you toss that into the flour, just stirring it with a fork until it combines together. But the mixture is still going to look a little bit shaggy. Then what you do is you turn it out onto a lightly floured countertop, gather it together, and knead it very gently just a couple times with the heel of your hand, and then you wrap it up in film. You want to refrigerate it for at least an hour, and then you can take any leftovers and use it as filling. So you basically you just roll it out onto your countertop, and you cut circles using a large cookie cutter. I used a small bowl, a little bit smaller than the size of my outstretched hand. So you put a couple tablespoons of your mixture onto each of the discs, and then fold it in half, and crimp the edges easier using your fingers like you would with a pie crust or using a fork. Then lightly brush your empanadas with an egg wash if you like them to be a little bit shiny and crispy. Toss them in the oven on a parchment-lined cookie sheet at 400 degrees Fahrenheit or about 200 degrees Celsius for between 15 and 20 minutes. The important thing is, is the outside is golden brown because, of course, if you're doing what I did using Chinese leftovers, then it's going to be already cooked inside. So there you have it, an easy way to deal with your leftovers and make fantastic fusion empanadas. Join me now. We're going to head straight forward into our third course and a little taste test of these unusual empanadas with Kirithi and Ellen in the RTI studios. Third course. Alrighty, we're going to be tasting three Hot Pockets, but... We don't know what's inside the filling, right? So what I've done is I've made empanadas, which is a Latin American treat. Mm -hmm. They look like curry puffs. They look like curry puffs, right? A little bit, yeah. And they each have... I have three different flavors. Mm. So we're each going to take one Mm -hmm. and see what you end up getting. You made some Chinese fillings? Well... I cheated a little bit, you know, because in this uh, era in which we're discussing leftovers Mm -hmm. and... So you put leftovers in there? No, I didn't put leftovers in there. (laughs) Let me be clear. (laughs) I bought fresh dishes and I Mm -hmm. put them in this. But in this age in which we're talking about leftovers and we usually feed leftovers to pigs in Taiwan Mm -hmm. and that is now um, not allowed in many places Mm -hmm. because of swine fever. Mm -hmm. So we're not allowed to do that with our leftovers. We have to find a way to deal with the leftovers. So if you just eat the leftovers, it doesn't create waste. (laughs) And to make leftovers exciting, one of the ways you can do that is create a hot pocket out of it. Oh. Okay. okay. He just said that to make us feel better. (laughs) Go ahead and choose one, Ellen. Mm. Oh, spicy. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm not looking. (laughs) Still don't know what it is. Kirithi knows what hers is. Yes, I do. I think she got the one she wanted. Mm-hmm. I definitely I did. have la dou gan. Mm-hmm. That's right? right. Okay. 
Helen Chu ended up with bean curd mm. and peanuts and cilantro and a little bit of spice in there. Mm. And then what do you have, Kirthi? I have Kung Pao chicken. Mm-hmm. Another staple of the college student diet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. This is incredible. Describe what it is. Mm. It's a Sichuan chicken with peanuts um, and chilies and Sichuan peppers, right? You have those in there? Mm-hmm. 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 That's right. And then the, the peppers don't make it in there because they're too tough to mm-hmm. eat. So we leave those out. Mm. What did you have? I had um, broccoli, stir-fried broccoli. Mm. Mm. I would put cheese in the broccoli one again, I think. I didn't right. put any in this time, but I think it needs some cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you're worried about this dough, but it is phenomenal. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. This is my first time making empanadas. I've never made this dough before. I think, so I think the tofu is good. Yeah? Yeah. Because the spicy kicks in. Mm. So it's very flavorful. Mm. Try it. You guys can each take another one, too. Or you sure. can try one of yeah. these. So the, this is kompao chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay. You had it, so you have the other one. Mm-hmm. If you have them fresh out of the oven, they end up being crispier on the outside, a little mm. bit crunchier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about this pastry is it has um, vinegar in it, mm. just to give it a little bit of a flavor. Mm-hmm. Not all the empanada dough or pastry dough has mm-hmm. has vinegar in it. Did right. you buy the dough? I made it made- from scratch, mm, scratch, using my oh, fingers. Wow! And this really comes back to like why hot pockets are so popular, like globally. It's pastry and a meat filling. There is literally Sorry, nothing is that you can one. say no oh. to. Is it juicy enough? I was afraid that the um, Kung Pao chicken might be kind of dry once it's cooked. No, it's fine. It's soaked in a little, but I don't think that takes away from it at all. I think they would all benefit from cheese, too, but that's just my personal like. <laughs> I think so. Mm. Um, the broccoli tastes... Very broccoli. <laughs> no. It has another flavor that's coming out of it. Yeah? Mm. It's a little garlicky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's stir-fried, mm-hmm. so it's also like a Chinese mm-hmm. version of broccoli. Right. So there you have it. That is our fusion turnover. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on turnovers or packages? Anything you would desire in a package? <laughs> Anything we desire? Mm-hmm. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Oh, burrito, like, you know, the beans. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, could, black bean empanadas are a thing. Right. Totally. Those would be really good. Those would really match. Totally. Totally. I would, you know, I, w- I would pretty much eat anything in a pastry crust. Uh-huh. Right. To be very That's honest. part of the appeal. <laughs> no. I, I'd put apples in that. Why not? Oh, Apple yeah. Pie. Yeah. Right? Oh, show. Mm-hmm. All righty. That's our look at little packages, something that you find everywhere in the world. And this is our uh, own fusion version of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave you today with our addresses. Okay. Listen up. Okay. P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And next week, we're going to have a traditional banquet food. Wow. Yes, because, you know, we're moving into the Chinese New Year time, and they have mm. something called Shenzhen Haiwei, which are mm. the treasures of the mountains and the treasures of the seas. But there's some weird foods on that list, Alan Chu. I think so. So we're not going to have that, right? No, there will, we, we're not going to serve up any bear paws or leopard fetus, I promise. Good, okay, because <laughs> I think we'll get in major trouble. <laughs> yeah, aside okay. from me not, like, just re- refusing to eat it right. in the first place. Okay, so one final song today. This is also connected to pockets. 
It's called shang shou cha kou dai. So two hands in your pockets. So we started up with one hand in a pocket, <laughs> and then we test the temperature, and then now we're gonna, you know, come come down to like putting both your hands in a pocket, right? That's right. All right. This is by Wan Tong and Zhang Zhenyue. Yo. For Feast House, I'm Andrew Ryan, and this is Ellen Chu. I'm Kirithu Shudaran. See you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.